because they see the outcome of that. They see that life could be better. They see the anointing that could be stronger on your family. It's not just about being better. How about the stronger anointing this year on your family? How about walking in more this year than you did last year? And here's the thing. Well, I'm, I'm always okay. Last year was okay. It was all right. We did okay. But what if it could be better than that? What if it should have been better than that? What if there were things that were there that you didn't lay hold of or you didn't touch and they were provided for you the whole time on that kitchen table? I remember one day looking for something. It got very frustrating. I was looking all over for it, only to find out later it was in my hand. Has anybody ever done that? Where are these stinking glasses? Melina, I know you moved my glasses. Oh, they're in my hand. Right? So what does that tell you and I? God has obviously placed some things on the inside of you. It just requires your attention to what you already have in your hand. You already have them. You already possess them. You already have the greater one living on the inside of you. You have already been given the greatest mystery since the beginning and the dawn of time. Living on the inside of you. The greater one living on the inside of you. And that's why you and I should be going from glory to glory. That's why you and I should no longer stay the same. Because we have a great life. The life. The life living on the inside of you. The same life that raised Jesus from the dead lives and abides on the inside of you. We, 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 in order, if, we, if we keep passing by and, cheap, and treating something cheap like it doesn't matter, eventually that lack of thinking will permeate the rest of your, your flesh and you will become flesh-dominated. In other words, doing spiritual things will be seen like some sort of pipe dream that seems impossible. It's sort of like the person who begins to hoard one day. They, didn't, they weren't assured that they were hoarding. And one day it just kept building up and building up until before you know it, things got out of control. Right? And before you know it, they feel stuck. They feel like they can't get out. They feel like they're trapped. But they know they need to get out of it, but they don't know how to get out of it. And that's the thing that happens to a lot of folks. They know they need to lose weight, but before you know it, they've gained so much weight that they feel trapped and they don't know how to get out of that mess. Right? Again, physical outcomes as a result of a spiritual or a lack of a spiritual pursuit. They will manifest themselves on the outside eventually. There are manifestations in our life that, are, that occur every day that are reflecting or, or they're a reflection of what's already going on the inside. That's right. And to say that just purely because you, you look great outside doesn't mean your world on the inside is going well. There's a lot of people who have the appearance of looking like they have it together, but on the inside, they are going through hell. They are, they're one minute, they're one second away from just ending life because they don't realize what has already been purchased that their life could be better and then doesn't have to stay the same. Let's open our, how many of you are enjoying this Bible reading program? I'm telling you, I'm enjoying it. I've got my little checks on in the inside of you. I'm telling you, if you've never done a Bible reading program, I want to encourage you to do it. Well, pastor, I just don't want to just, you know, I just, it just, it just seems hard. I just have a tough time keeping up. Well, you, you, what you do is you do it because there's answers in there for your life every time. 
There's answers to your life in the Bible. Well, I mean, I'm reading Genesis and do I really need to know about, you know, Adam and Eve and Steve and Kramer and... No, there's no Stephen Kramer, but do you, do you really? Yes, you need to know. So that way you can quote things. And you, when someone gives you a quote and says something that's in the Bible, it's not in the Bible. You won't be easily dissuaded. You won't be easily moved because you'll know what's in the Bible. If you know what's going on in life, you don't get you don't get moved around the wrong direction. Because you need victory. You need answers. You want the life. You want the life. If you ask everybody here, how many people want to win the lottery? Everybody would raise their hand. <laughs> it's 600 mil million. Of course I want it. I want to win it. Well, you got something better than the super lottery already on the inside of you. You got the answer upon answers that, that, that people, if they started tapping into those answers, their life would be better. Life would begin to begin if you just tapped in to what, what's, what you already have. And you have, you, have a, you have a field book of answers. A field book to your answers. And this morning I want us to open our Bibles to Genesis chapter 25, verse 29. Because I want to talk a little bit about th this morning about your journey from going to glory to glory. Amen. How many of you know your journey from going to glory is all about the attitude? It's the attitude of a champion. And that God has called you to the winner's circle. Not just one person, all of us. God has given you a race for your life. You're not competing. Marcus De La Cruz isn't competing against any other Marcus De La Cruz. It's him. It's just him. He's running his soul race. He's doing what God has called him to do. Right? I, I can't run your race for you. I cannot run the race of Sarah. That would be really weird. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm going to enter the women's race today. And I'm going to crush all those women out there. That's a lie. That's called living a lie. You got to run your own race. And if Sarah has an Adam's apple, broad shoulders, you know that that ain't Sarah. Right? Praise the Lord. How many of you got to Genesis 29? Genesis 29, and I want to talk about this because this is important to your, to your and my attitude. Over here we read about Esau, and, and now Jacob, verse 29, uh, let's 24, yeah, 25, 29 says this. Now Jacob, Jacob cooked a stew, and Esau came in from the field, and he was weary. And he says, said to Jacob, please feed me with that same red stew, and I am weary. Therefore his name was called Edom. And Jacob said, sell me your birthright as this day. And Esau said, look, I am about to die. So what is that? What is this birthright to me? In other words, what does this thing mean? What does my Christian walk mean? What does this, what is having to go to church and become a better person mean? A lot of people walk around, don't understand what, what it means to be a Christian. Don't, don't understand what their life has been given to them. And what happens is if you don't know what's on the inside of you, you will begin to discount what, what is in you or what's already been placed in you. You won't understand that there's an anointing on your life. You won't understand that there's prosperity in your life. You won't get the very fact that God is trying to use your life to affect others. You'll, you'll, you'll begin to disdain. Oh, I've gone to church. Here are little ones, kids. Let me tell you, speak to the kids right now. It's important that you honor 
your heritage. Honor your parents. Honor what they teach you. Because one day it will affect your life. And it will bless you. We forget about the little ones. We forget we need to teach them to honor. Now, like we teach them to honor what, what we give to them, we, we need to teach you this evening that you need to honor what God has already placed on the inside of you. Right? It's, it's unfortunate, but a lot of people forget. They'll get healed. They'll get delivered. They'll get jobs. God will prosper them. And next thing you know, they're out there at the bar. They, they forget everything that God gave them. They forgot how God brought them into more. And then the Bible warns you and I that, that, that we should not forget those things lest we, we end up losing everything. And guess what? Far too often, year after year, I see people do it. Not year after year. It's been really good here. I really, We are blessed at this church. We are extremely blessed because I've seen God prosper you. I've seen God's hands in you. I've seen God work miracles, so many miracles in your lives. And here's the thing. Here's the danger. You can take it all for granted. It's so important to just remember not to take life for granted. Not take, you know, here I, you know, I, I, I don't take for granted my grandparents. I don't take for granted my uncles. I don't take for granted my, the people that God placed in my life, my fellow co-workers that helped me t- learn, teach me some things. Yeah. I've, I've had one a co-worker years ago when I worked at, uh, in, in, up in the Northwest who literally saved my job because um, she stood up for me. And... Uh, and squashed out a lie because she goes, no, he didn't do that. And yet I was being thrown under the bus and I didn't have to speak up for myself. Right. Until this day, that still speaks to me because God was on my side. God's God, you will use other people to take care of you. But you gotta, you gotta, you've got to have an attitude to what people, where people want to help you. You hear what I'm saying? You, if, you, if you have a poor attitude and you're always complaining, you're always whining, you've, you're, you're acting as if though you're entitled, you're acting like you're Paris Hilton. I'm just, I shouldn't say that name, but I'm just saying that because, you know, you, you get that little like everybody just take care of me. Right. It, it, that you have that attitude in life. No one's going to want to help you. In fact, they will root your downfall. I remember back in the back in the kid watching basketball, there was a team that used to play, and I won't mention the name or the team, but I just couldn't stand the team because they're just always they were really good. I mean, they were awesome. But they were so cocky, their attitude, they were just like they were like they played like thugs. And I was like, when when the guy finally retired, I was like, thank God he's gone. God wants us to not come off a certain way he wants our hearts to be right he wants it to be pure and you know what when we when you have a good attitude and a good heart people want to help you people want to cheer you on people want if people will even at the even when you go to the grocery store if you're good to folks they'll say hey man there's a special sale going on special you know that happens to me all the time i go to the grocery store and there's a lady who works there she works in the butcher shop. She knows me by name. I know her by name. I said, what's going on, girl? She goes, hey, what's going on, Pastor Marcus? She goes, she'll look around. She goes, I got some meat. I go, you do? She goes, it's on sale. It's a good cut, too. It's right here. And, she, and she's got it kind of slightly buried behind there because that's what, that's, what that's what them butchers do. So, so she'll show me, go, right here. It's got, I go, now, it's, it's all here. There's like lots of it. And I'm like, well, I don't need that much. 
But here's the thing. Kindness breeds favor. Kindness breeds favor. Kind words, respect, breed good things. And that's a basic as a Christian. That's a basic. When you don't regard things, you don't regard people, you don't regard what God has placed on the inside of you, you lose those. You lose that regard for yourself. People will not regard you. People will not treat you with regard. People will not treat you with respect. If you're cutting out and you're leaving early on the job, everybody knows. I used to work in a place where there was a guy who used to do that. He just cut out. Where, where's, where's so-and-so? He left. Well, we got tons of stuff to do. Well, he said, you take care of it. Well, that was nice. I wanted, he, I wanted to go home early myself. I got a wife and family and kids I got to go to, right? And, and, and if you're always sliding your coworkers, you're putting off stuff, if you're not taking care of your own business, you're doing things, happen, you lose favor. Because you're not honoring the environment that you're in. And Esau did not, invi- he did not honor, nor did he regard his own home. So when you honor your and regard your own home, God is able to bring you to a better place. And it's important that we do that. But Jacob understood the importance of his of a birthright. He understood that he was not the, fa- the, the, the head of the family. And he was like, you know, they, call, they named him Jacob because he was the ankle grabber, right? Because he was, he was, when they were being born, he was holding on to his brother's ankle, right? So he, they saw him a surplanter. That's what that name Jacob means, a surplanter. But he understood the value of a birthright. He understood the value of a being born within a certain position. He understood that. He understood that. Wow, you pastor, I wasn't born in a good position. Let me tell you, if you're born again, you already are born in a great position. Start to honor what God has already given you. So let's just settle that. Let's make that up in our minds that we have determined our heart that we are going to honor what God has already placed and put in our hearts on the inside of us. And we're not going to disdain it. I don't disdain the teachings of Brother Hagen. Kenneth Hagen. Don't disdain it. In fact, I meditate therein because he has laid a masterful foundation. I have never seen anybody up till this, up till this day and, and who lived a ministry out that has never been called into repute. Other people have, not him. His, 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 his character has never been questioned. His honor and his attention to detail has never been questioned. Thousands upon thousands of men have followed that man. Because he honored what God had put in him. He honored it. He took care of it. He walked it out. And he never got off in his teaching. He never said oddball things. Ever. Ever. Now, I've said oddball things. I've blown it with what I said. said, And I've like had to repent. Like, But I, I've never. I, I can honestly say I've followed this man. And he's had an illustrious long career. And with saying very little messed up, with very little error in it. I mean, I, to the point where I don't even see any error in it at all. And I said to myself, that's the goal. That is where we need to be. That's how we should be. So I follow him. I honor that heritage. And when we honor those heritage, how many of you know that those things that we honor will come back to us? What we do not honor, 
What we don't regard, we lose. We lose anointings, we lose favor, we lose position, we lose voice. There's a lot of great ministers out there who don't have the voice that they used to have. Great men, great women of God, but they don't have it because they've lost that, that role of honor of where they came from. They've disregarded the man's teaching. And I will say this, I will stick closely to Brother Hagen and his teaching because I know that's what caused me to grow, that's what caused me to develop. What you attend to and what you care about, what you attend to, what you care about will reflect out of your life. It will reflect. If you go to, my son was on a very good football team. I think they only won, lost one game. Even when he was in junior uh, JV, as, as a JV person, they never lost a game. As a senior in high school, lost one game. And that was a state title, but they won a state title. And I will say this, that the work ethic was always there. I said the work ethic was always, regard for the coach was always there. Regard for the staff was always there. Always there. And if, if they didn't regard the coaching, they would, not have, they would not have made it as far as they did. I remember going to high school and being on some terrible teams where the team, the, the players didn't have regard for the coaching staff. It's terrible. When you, you don't, even, even, when, even when you know the person who, who doesn't really have a regard for the team or regard for, it's, you can even see it both going both ways. It's never just one way. It's going both ways. A disregard for the team, a disregard for yourself, and then the team also doesn't cooperate. But then, you know, I, I've, been, I've been on a, on a, on a, on a team where the coach is excellent. I remember a wrestling coach, one of the best wrestling coaches in the Valley, got to wrestle for them. And you know what? When you wrestle for someone who's really good or you learn something from someone, it brings out the best in you. Yeah. You, you regard it more. There's a greater regard when you're on a, on a winning team. I'm going to tell you, you're already on a winning team. You have Jesus on the inside of you. He's already won it all for you. There should be enough regard in just that alone to get you, to get you going. You're already on the winning team. If you read the end of the book, you win. I said you win. Well, I don't feel like I'm winning. Then start regarding what you do have. Start regarding what you do have. You you know, it's always like one thing I love about some of the finest coaches I ever had. They they always put it on you to make the turnaround. He goes, well, you know, they always say, if you want to succeed, you're going to have to be a part of this family. You're going to have to be, you're going to have to buy in to the family. It's not the the family buying into you. You just have to buy into the family, that the family is there for you, that the family's got your back. And the family does got your back. You just can't be suspicious that everybody's always trying to do you wrong. Well, you're just saying it because you want to start, not me. Maybe it's their time to start. Maybe it's not your time to start. Your season will come. God will promote you. I said, God will promote you. What verse did we leave off on? He swore to me this day. So he swore to him and he sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and stews and lentils and he ate and drank and arose and he went his way. Thus, the Bible says, Esau despised his birthright. Right? He despised it. 
And, the, and in Hebrews, it talks later on as how later on he understood what he had. And then when he lost it, he sought it with much tears, yet he could not find it. Though he did search it with tears. See, people can regret later on. I wish I would have done things different when they're younger or when they're older. Back when I was, I was younger, I would have done this different, would have done this different, would have done that, diff that different. Why? Because the outcome is of their life. They finally are at the, they have arrived at the outcome of their life. They've, they've come to the place where they realize, if I would have hustled, if I would have worked, if I would have paid attention, if I would have cared. There's nothing worse than being at age 40, looking back at your life at regret. Because that's too young to be looking at your life at regret. And if you are 40, you can change it now. You don't want to be 50 and regret that you didn't change at 40. You don't want to be 35 regretting what you did at 20 or 19 and so on. Your life is, a, is, is full of opportunities of turning points. And you can turn at any point. At any point, your life can turn. Your life can change. You just need to begin to regard that which is already on the inside of you. Say, I regard what's on the inside of me. I have the Holy Ghost. I have the witness of the Spirit. I got a lot. I'm on a good team. I'm destined to win. You need to start saying I'm destined to win. Even if you have to say it by faith, say I'm destined to win. Let's everybody say I'm destined to win. I am a winner. I am brought into the family of God. I'm telling you, just saying that alone starts to change. And once you start to believe that you can win, your life starts to change. But it won't change until you buy into the very fact that your life has already begun to be better. Think of what God has already done. What he's endeavored to do, he's already working on the inside of you and I. You can no longer live another day in exile. Exile, pastor. What does that mean to be in exile? In other words, you're living somewhere else where you don't need to be and living in your life in a position where you don't need to live. In other words, I'm living out of love. I'm not living in victory. I'm living a life like just doing how life, how I want to live it because I have not yet sold out into the family of God yet. It's those who have sold out that get to enjoy the blessing of the Lord. When I went to church on Sunday, doesn't that qualify? It's not enough. It's not enough if you drag your feet to go to church. It doesn't count. So we're like the person who goes to the, goes to the park and, and puts their Fitbit on the dog's tail and the dog wags his tail and he goes out running. Oh, there's my exercise right there. My dog's doing all my, getting all my points. Put, put your walker and let someone else do your, no, that doesn't happen. And you know that doesn't work. You know it doesn't work. And yet we do it. We laugh about it, but we do it. But here's the thing. The joke isn't funny anymore when we get the outcome that we didn't want. Well, was my life so hard? Because we didn't invest what it took. Do what you, do what you need to do now so that you can enjoy later on, enjoy the life that you do, do want later. That means if you're not can't spend certain money that you can't spend right now, don't spend money so that you can enjoy later on. If you if you have to if you have to swallow hard and and walk in love and be kind, you, you swallow hard and you become kind. Right. You you walk in love. Yeah. 
because, because that's what you're supposed to do. That's right. Well, I'm going to punch him in the mouth and give him a piece of my mind. No. You walk in love. You don't give him a piece of your mind. Because before you know it, you'll run out. Don't be just giving people a piece of your mind. Always got something to say. Always have to have the last word. Got to keep it. Got to keep the argument going. The argument's done, but no, you just got to come back in and throw some more logs on it. Right? God hasn't designed you that way. You got to be. You got to be the one that endeavors to keep the peace. Because if you learn to endeavor the peace, it'll affect your kids. Abraham. This is a good example of Abraham. Abraham was with Lot, and because stress and strife came in, Lot, uh, Abraham had to separate himself from Lot, right? Because the fields, the herdsmen were fighting. And, it, and that type of example affected his children. Well, that's, how do you know that, Pastor? Well, if you read your Bible program, you would know that. Let's open our Bible. Let's turn to, not turn, but let's stay there, but go to, look at um, Genesis chapter 26. Now, there was a famine in the land besides the, the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines in Gerar. And the, and the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land which I, shall, which I tell you. See, here's the thing. Isaac saw that example. He knew that example. God speaks to him. Now God is giving him the answers of what to do next. So Isaac knows to regard what the Lord tells him. He knows to regard the voice of God. How did he know that? Because he saw his father regard it. When, when you regard what God tells you, your kids will regard you and the word. And when God speaks to him, he'll, they'll regard that as well. Amen? Because it's bigger than you. Doing the word is bigger than you. It's always bigger than you and I. So God tells him, dwell in the land, I'll be with you, bless you, and all your descendants. Come on, again, that blessing going bigger than you. And I'll give you all this land, I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham, your father. And I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven. I will give you the descendants of all these lands, and your seed and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Sound vaguely familiar? It should, because God told Abraham the same thing. In verse 5, he says, Because Abraham obeyed my voice, kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. So Isaac dwelt in Gerar. Why did he stay there? Because God told him to. Yeah. That's where the blessing was. Well, I'm going to go to Fresno. God didn't tell you to go to Fresno. He told, he told you to go to Tipton. <laughs> but have you been to Tipton? They don't even have a cheesecake factory. If God told you to go to Tipton, that's where the blessing is. Oh, I'm going to go to Tipton. <laughs> Come, on. Come on. You go where God tells you to go, right. there will be a blessing. That's right. Amen. That's right. And all will, all will see it. Yes. All will see it. Yes. I said all will see it. Yes. And verse 7, and the men of the place asked about his wife. Come on, now even his wife is starting to look good. And he said, she is my sister, for she was afraid... If, for he was afraid to say if she is my wife, because though lest the man, the place would kill him because for Rebecca, because she was beautiful to behold. Come on. Now it came to pass when he had when when he had been there a long time, that Abimelech, the king of the Philistines, looked through a window and saw that there was Isaac showing endearment to Rebecca, his wife. Uh Oh, busted. 
Then Abimelech called to Isaac, quite obvious she is your she is your wife. So how could you say this? She is your sister. Isaac said to him, because you, I didn't want you to kill me, lest I die on account of her. And Abimelech said, what is this that you have done to us? One of the uh, one of the people might soon have been with your wife and we would have brought us guilt on us. So Abraham charged all his people saying, don't touch her. Now, I want you to notice what Isaac did in the land that God told him that was there was a famine. There's a famine going on. But God speaks to him. Then Isaac's. Then Isaac sowed in the land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him in a place where there was drought. I said in a place there was drought. God told him to be there. He planted. He invested. He gave himself to the land that God told him to be in. And there was a what? A blessing. Man looks on the outward, God looks in the heart. Remember Samuel? He goes to the home of, De to the home of was it Jesse? Looking for the prophet? No, it wasn't Jesse. Was it Jesse? What was, his, what was David's father's name? My mind went blank on it. Jesse, thank you. Thank you, Seth. Alas, a man in our midst who's full of the word. Come here. Come here. Twenty bucks. There is a reward to knowing the word, being filled in your heart. There is a reward, and I'm telling you, there was a reward for 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 for, for Jesse's family, and he brought out all of his sons. Is this the right son? Surely this is the son. He is good looking. No, that's not him. Why is it not him? Because God said, Mano looks, at the, looks on the outside. God says, I look at the heart. And when he went through all the sons, he goes, isn't there not one left among you? He said, yes, I have a son. But he's watching the sheep. He's working. He, he's tending to the family. Oh, come on. Did you hear what I said? He's tending to the family's business. He's taking care of the family affairs. And from, where, from that position, God is able to promote him. What's he doing? He's honoring. He's caring. He's learning how to be about the family's business. If you learn how to take care of God's business, he'll take care of your business. Woo! Come on, ain't God good? And here, here we got. Isaac, he's got his father's example. You got God's example. He planted. He flourished. And the, man, and, and the man began to prosper and continue prospering until the day and became very prosperous. Come on. That's not a bad testimony. He became prosperous and then he continued to prosper and became very prosperous. You think you're prospering and then God says, no, you ain't prospered enough. And then verse 14 says, for he, he had possessions of flocks, possessions of herds, great number of servants. How many people could use a few servants? How many mamas could use a, first, a few servants in their house? Boy, that's, I mean, that's a man of God. Those are people of God, God's servants. So that the Philistines envied him. You're missing this. Take, keep it down up in front. Sometimes you got to keep them pastor wives under, under check. Get a little out of hand. 
Now the Philippines has no the Philippines. <laughs> Sorry, Andy. You're not you're not you're you're what do you call how do you say it? Laotian. Huh? La Laotian. Like an ocean. Now the Philippines had stopped up all the wells. Now the Philip did I say the Philippines? Gosh, I'm on that roll and I can't get off of that. Now the Philistines had stopped up all the wells his father had, had servants had dug in the day of Abraham, his father. And they filled it with earth. And Abimelech said to Isaac, go away from us, for you are much mightier than we. What a testimony that is. You're too big for us. We're getting kind of nervous that you're there. Then Isaac departed from that and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar. Surely they won't mess with me there. And he dwelt there, and Isaac dug again the wells of the water which his father had dug. And the days of Abraham his father, for the Philistines had stopped them up. And the death of Abraham, he called them by the name which his father had called them. Right? And so also the servant dug it in the valley and found a well running with water. But the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdmen, saying, The water is ours! So they called the name, and because they quarreled with him, he went another way and began to dig another well. And that happened again. And that happened again. Every time there was strife, he didn't say, hey, those aren't mine. Let's fight. There was no fighting. Where do you think he got that from? Where did you think he got that from? That, that I'm not going to get in strife mentality. From his father. He saw it. He saw when his father was in strife, or he didn't know it. He heard that when his father got in strife, he separated because he didn't want to contaminate the anointing on his life. He didn't want to get offended. He didn't want to get himself involved. Instead, he left and he moved on. He came to a point, if you read on, he separated himself. And as he separated himself, he finally, they, they finally left him alone. And the kings finally said to him, hey, uh, they finally came. He goes, why are you doing this to me? Do you hate me? He goes, no, we're just afraid of you. But let's let's have a covenant here so we know that you're not going to do anything to us and we're and we need to have a covenant. Until you honor the covenant that you live under and regard it, you will never be at peace. And there they made a covenant. They understood covenant. And when covenant was made, then, because it wasn't enough that, that I, Abraham had a covenant. Isaac had to have a covenant. It's not enough that mom and dad have a covenant with God, children. You have to have a covenant with God. You have to have a relationship. It's not enough for mom and dad. You have to have a relationship with Jesus. You have to got to know him. Dad knew him. Dad had a covenant. That's why he had peace. Isaac didn't know them like his dad knew him and they had to have a covenant because without that covenant, there would be no peace. And because Isaac responded through a position of peace, they knew from the model that they saw the father operate. They knew that he had the soundness and the mind and the wherewithal to follow through because he didn't react the way his father didn't react. He followed his father's example. He lived out the what his father uh, modeled out to him. Therefore, he was able to enjoy and prosper in the area that God placed him.
God wants to bring you into more. God wants to bring you in a place where the goodness of God is there resting and abiding on the inside of you. Ephesians chapter 5. Say, I am always moving in the plan of God. And Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1 says this. It says, therefore be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love. As Christ has loved us and given himself for us, offering a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. Come on. We need to be an imitator. Imitators. Imitators of God. Well, how do we imitate God? You imitate his word. You live out those examples of peace that you see in Genesis of where a man responds right. An eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. Don't pick the scriptures you want. Pick out the example under the new covenant that Jesus preached from. That's the covenant you live out under now. But you see this example of response? Give, give no place for excuses to why you cannot live out what you have just seen. Don't excuse, don't opt out, but embrace. Let it be your place. Occupy that role. Occupy it. It's important that we learn to occupy the plan of God for our lives. Because that's what Jesus would have told you. Remember that example over in Luke 19, verse 13? He says, occupy. When he was talking to, his, to the different servants, he gave some 10 gifts, some 9 gifts. And he said, he gave them, he sent them out to take care of his work, the, that work of his hand. He said, occupy this. Occupy. In other words, when you're there, run it like you own it. Run your life like you're in control of your life. Run, run your race as if it's your race and no one else's race. Like, you're not, you don't have anyone else to blame. Right. Run your life like it's your life. That's right. That's right. Live it. And live it well and live it right. That's right. Amen. Because God has a great plan for your life this year. That's right. And it will, not be, it, will not be, it will not be enjoyed by those who are just spectating.